Hello, welcome back to the Essentials of Judaism podcast. Hello, everybody. How are you, Rabbi? <laughs> Doing fine. Thank you. Okay, so in 2022, there is an array of social media, like tons. It's used. It's a tool that's used for people to connect to each other. It's certainly different than the way it was when I was back in college. And I was in college at Penn in the 2000s when Facebook came out. It was like you had to put three quotes on and you found your old camp friends. And it was that was like amazing. What I noticed is, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts, is when 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 something tragic happens, something something is happening that's not so great in the world. I find that um, there's a lot of background picture changes. You know, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but basically on their the profile picture on Facebook, what they have, they'll change the profile to say, you know, I support Ukraine, or you know, we stand against anti-Semitism, or whatever, whatever the latest, um, you know upsetting event is in the world and um, it doesn't bother me in and of itself because that's a good thing it's a good thing to publish things what bothers me is I, I wonder if people are changing and as somebody who changed the, their life and, and continues to change your life and, and I want to be that person you know uh, it bothers me when when if I if I see or feel that people are changing or pretending to change in a way that is either unproductive or or um, or sort of external or unsustainable, or unsustainable. That's a, that's that's interesting. So I'm talking about yeah, there are there vanity are, change, and then there's also on the other end unsustainable change, right? Making so, leaps and bounds and jumps in your personality, it's whatever. Not linear it is. enough, or it's not healthy enough. It'd be like you know what it'd be like in spiritual terms if somebody that was supporting the Ukraine war like dropped out of school and moved to Ukraine. That's like un, that's like un, that's like an unsustainable response. At the same time. Putting your background picture Especially up. Especially when you're scared of loud noises and you can't fire a gun. <laughs> right. And then, and then the other, the opposite would be, I think, probably that that very external vanity change. You know, they call it in the world, I'm putting my air quotes up, you know, virtue signaling. They put up the, I stand with Ukraine, and and really no one's doing any work. So those are the two extremes, right? I, I like that point and also unsustainable. So that that's what I got that I wanted to talk about. Well, today. let me ask you a question. Um, you have... A reaction that people have. They put up that flag. Why do they put up that flag? Because they feel uncomfortable. People are being hurt. People are suffering. And it, it unsettles the person who, who hears that news. So that flag, that background picture they put up, is like their reaction to it. And I have no problem with that. I think no, that's the, great. It's not a bad reaction. The question right. is, should a person react in a deeper way? And are they not willing to have that reaction and putting the flag up instead. You're walking downtown Philadelphia. You walk past, you know, Nebuch, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are needy in this city. And, you know, we should try to help them, right? You see a homeless person sitting there. It's uncomfortable, right? Is it a similar uncomfortable feeling? Like the the drive to want to get away from that situation feels very strong in that moment. But you're going to feel guilty if you do. Correct. Which I think a lot of people just try to just so do you, not engage at all. Like, I don't want to be in that situation. Right. Or you engage in a very external way. And which then will be, will be the external way. You, you, you change the background. Oh, but how would, that work like, in the, how would that work in the homeless man example? Well, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> the homeless man example might be a trickier no, one. No, because you said they feel uncomfortable. I like that right. point. You feel uncomfortable... There, so you, you know, 
And then people will usually say like, well, you know, I felt uncomfortable, but I didn't want to give anything because they'll use it for X and Y, which is always an excuse. Just carry a, this, you know. This can have certain public safety issues. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to recommend, you know, a person always do this. But like if you give the guy a dollar or have a conversation with him for five minutes and that five minute conversation can change his day and the dollar is like whatever. You know, I did that all the time when I lived in New York. I lived in New York for three years after, after Penn, before I went to study in Yeshiva in Israel. And I would engage the the people the, uh, the the needy homeless people on the street and um, maybe it was dangerous now that you mentioned it but in two thousand and seven eight I don't for whatever reason I was twenty two three whatever it was they were fascinating conversations and I remember at the end of them they actually didn't want anything from me which was interesting right, so you you recognized that and actually took something which put you out of your comfort zone but you. You did something real. You connected with them emotionally. Yeah, it was, it, and I, and by the way, I felt like I changed. And I didn't give them anything. That now I went and gave them something anyway because, but at that point, it was it wasn't like out of a feeling of of um, what was the word you used? Uncomfortable. It wasn't because it was because wow, I really understand this person's need. I remember I bought a guy a metro card, like a seventy dollar metro card. Like, cause he needed to get to the hospital back and forth, and that was his line. He was, but I didn't. But we sat and chatted for such a long time. That's what I left with. And he gave me a wine fridge. <laughs> which you found somewhere. He, yeah. He said, he, yeah, story of another time, but he gave me a wine fridge, which was in my apartment for four years. That's amazing. <laughs> but I, I want to, I want to connect the two examples you gave. Okay. So people are uncomfortable with, you know, people are suffering in Ukraine. Yeah. Just as an example. Yeah. And you, you, you feel like you've done something by, you know, putting a sticker on the back of your car with a blue and yellow stripe. Or you can say, like, look, let me in some way, because I now feel the pain of other people are having, try to, in the larger cosmic scale of things, help people that are suffering. That's a little more work. some more effort. Meaning to, to then go ahead and say, okay, I want to be helpful. Like, people might think I have to move to Ukraine, but Judaism would have a different perspective. Judaism would say, start somewhere else. Start local. Start internally. Right. Like, maybe if you read a story about, like, children in a hospital that had some sort of, you know, terrible tragedy because they were bombed or shelled or whatever. And, you know, you go down for breakfast, you know, the, you know, the next morning, like maybe just be a little more sensitive to your kids and a little more patient with them. It can be that subtle, but like it actually requires some sort of internal change that the bumper sticker doesn't. The bumper sticker is a bumper sticker. Ha ha, I did something. I'm good. I'm a good person. So you're right. The, the balance between the two extremes is where you're, you know, not that I think the bumper sticker is a bad thing. No, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with it. But if it is just like the Band-Aid for the issue, like I feel I feel like I have to do something. I feel like I need to be more sensitive to people. Bumper sticker, I'm a sensitive guy. I identify as sensitive. That, <laughs> that's it. Now, if the bumper sticker helps you become more sensitive because it reminds you that people are suffering, so then it's it's just it's just adding to the effect that you want, in which case it's totally fine. You know, it reminds me of something that, that I that I read in Rabbi Simpson Rafael Hirsch, which I know is one of your favorite rabbis of all time. Who who was Rabbi Simpson Rafael Hirsch? He was one of the leaders of the Orthodox Jewish community in Germany in the mid eighteen hundreds. So Rabbi in Frankfurt. Member of Parliament. Member of Parliament. Yeah. Not with George Clinton. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think they had different types of names <laughs> in the German Parliament. But he says something amazing, which was when when, when learning about Pirkeavos in, in chapter one, verse seventeen. Where it's talking about that, you know, really, it's about mice. It's about doing things in the world. In a medrash, Ikar Elaha, Maisa. 
and and then he says, and if you speak too much, it'll bring you to do a hate. He says, if you even if you speak too much, you know, it's going to bring you to do to do a hate. And he says, why? He says, when you speak about something, he says, you can you speak about it and you convince yourself you've actually done it. You speak about it and you convince yourself you've actually done it. I oh my wonder. Gosh, I feel so terrible for them. I <laughs> I wonder if that's the thing. You put the sticker on or whatever it is. And um, and I'm not against the sticker. I'm not anti. It's not. It's not a. But you can convince yourself. I don't yourself. think we're gonna start an anti-sticker campaign. But yeah, maybe we need to get stickers to say we're anti-stickers. Yeah. But that you convince yourself that you that that you've done what you set out to do when everybody knows you set out to change. It's just reminding me, Banksy. You know, Banksy is. Banksy's one of your favorite artists, although he's a little anti. Yeah, anti- we don't like that part of him. But uh, Banksy went to some like we, protest. We have to do another podcast on how do we deal with artists and people we admire when they have certain opinions that. Just go against. Are horrible. Y- we can put them, we can put it as straightforward <laughs> as that. Uh, so anyway, Banksy went to some like anti-war protest in like 2004 about like the Iraqi war and handed out those like you know signs on a stick um, that all the protesters were carrying uh, that said, "I could care less about the issue. I'm just here for the violence," which is kind of spoofing and, and, everybody's. And people, and people held people held it. Well, I guess people with a sense of humor were holding it. <laughs> So so let let's solve this. How, 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 what is the Jewish perspective on that? What am I supposed to do? How, by the way, how I know what you and I believe. How is a young person supposed to believe that making an internal change is changing the cosmos? When I feel this is what I feel when I change my Facebook background, I feel like I'm making an impact. Prove to me I'm not. Now, you know how, how am I supposed to? No one knows I'm making this change. How am I supposed to get behind that? That's a very hard thing to get behind. Right. So you know the the, the difference between something really valuable and, and a knockoff are in all the subtleties, right? From 20 feet away, a fake Rolex and a real Rolex look the same. It's usually like the subtleties where you detect high quality. So I'll give you an example. I'll, show you, I'll share a thought with you from the, uh, the altar from Kelm, or uh, Simcha Zissel Ziv, the founder of the Kelm Yeshiva, which was a yeshiva which focused, uh, put a strong emphasis on character development. Very important yeshiva. And the Muslim movement you know, character development, uh, field, arrow, whatever, wherever you want to label it. Um, and he has this idea where he says that, like, you find, for example, Yaakov. I was one of the forefathers in the Torah. Jacob. Jacob. And his brother Esau. Esau. Esau is about to attack him, or at least presumably is about to attack him. And you'd imagine Yaakov, Jacob, is, you know, the super spiritual person, a prophet, his reaction should be like, hey, God will take care of everything. Nobody worry. Meaning Jacob's such a high-level person, you would think his response to Asaph trying to attack him is, I don't got to do anything. I, Everything's God, in God's God hand. talks to me, by the way. He does. So I'm, I'm Gucci. Just hey, lay back. God will take care of everything. Right. I, I can sit back with my Gamara and my lemonade, whatever, <laughs> whatever it was that Yaakov <laughs> liked to do in his downtime. <laughs> Um, but no, his reaction is he prepares his family for war, he prepares bribes, and he prays. So he seems to be conducting himself like a regular person. But as a very advanced spiritual person, he's going to recognize that the success of his battle, if it has to come to that, is in God's hand. He recognizes the success or the tactics that he's going to use is dependent on what he thinks is the right thing to do, the right thing spiritually to do. So it's not that he seems from 30 feet away to be a dramatically unique person. When you get to know him, 
you see the motivations, the subtleties and everything he does are very deep, are very powerful. But he's presenting as a normal, upstanding citizen right. of society. So if the Ukrainian flag bumper sticker is the externality, well, if the real goal is to take that crisis and say, look, like I want to become more sensitive to people that are in pain, to children, to whatever it is. So if the flag helps, then do that. But, but like if the goal is the flag, there's not much there of substance. And everybody knows that. On a, Everybody has an inner eye that sees... Yeah, but, you know, it's usually your inner eye is, you don't always see yourself at the inner eye. Somehow you don't. Yeah, that, that, that can be rough sometimes. Uh, because we all want to think we're amazing. We all don't want to think that we need to develop. But that's the name of the game is developing. And the internal subtle developments are really like the, you know. So how's a person supposed to know and believe that if they don't know and believe that? How is a person supposed to know and believe that really, 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 it's about the internal development. And it's not about the bumper stickers. Because it, annoy, I, it annoys really you when other people are shiny and flashy on the inside, but a little rotten on the inside. So if if your internal compass, moral compass, tells you that that's not great, then shouldn't your internal compass be able to focus on yourself if you're a mature person? If you can live comfortably with yourself? Like, I think you internally kind of know this. It's not great, so you want to be great. Become great. But how am I supposed to know that becoming great means I can't go to Ukraine. It's not reasonable. It's not the right thing for me. So I will take it upon myself to be sensitive to my children at the breakfast table, my roommates. I'll be sensitive. I'll be. I'll do the dishes without complaining. Whatever it is. How am I supposed to? It's not that those activities are not are not great, but it almost like you. It seems like you need the nefesh achayim. To know that that's true, and not everybody knows or has the nefesh chaim or you know believes that. Well, we we don't. I think we we have an easier time believing that with other people than with ourselves, because uh, at the end of the day, it, it generally annoys us when other people act like that. You know, I'll give you another example. Okay, there's the people, and this is actually like a narcissistic personality who will involve themselves in charitable causes, but are horrible to live with personally. Know, and and those those people are like they're classified as like you know fraudulent bad people. So like we have like we have like a like a feel for this like that's not right. So like apply that to yourself. It's it's hard. That's the hardest thing to do is to change yourself. Is to you know you can judge other people, but you don't want to judge yourself because that's personal. That requires action. But really, but really, that's the person we should be judging the most. Yeah, we should be because we know that person the most. Also, by the and way, it's the person we're responsible for is ourselves. <laughs> Turns out we're responsible yeah. for ourselves. Turns out there's very little we can do about other people. So what else you got there? What do you got there about the so I, ex- I wanna, extremes, the opposite side? So I want to take this point you're taking to another another issue, which is a way we can all gauge. Um, I think, by and large, we we all can relate to this idea of what we'll call unhealthy. Or, or external spiritual development, which isn't real growth and isn't really internal. Um, so I'm an observant Jew. You're an observant Jew. Now, we have both encountered people who will keep a lot of religious stringencies, but are not great people to be around. There's, there's a great story. It's just popping into my head. I don't remember which rabbi this, said this line, but, you know, fill in your favorite rabbi and, you know, we can, we can go along with the story. There was a Orthodox Jew who uh, was convicted of stealing a lot of money in some business scheme and went off to jail. 
So there was a person who was disturbed at this incident and went to ask this rabbi, I don't remember the name of the rabbi, like, you know, how do you reconcile this religious person who's a thief? He's like, let me tell you an example. Let me tell you how, a, a, you know, an analogy that I would give you for this person. Um, let's say you have a person who wants to rob a bank. So he sees a cop sitting in his patrol car and, you know, puts a gun to the cop's head when the cop's not looking and steals the cop's clothing. And then walks into a bank in a cop uniform and robs the bank because everybody thinks he's a cop and lets him in. Are you then going to blame the police for stealing from banks? No. This is a guy who looks like a cop but has nothing to do mm. with the police. Mm. You're going to have a person that has the trappings of a religious person, of a reserved person, but is really internally not a very healthy person. Uh, so there's a... There's That's amazing. You would never blame the police. I mean, maybe today they would. But then you would never blame the police... So why are you blaming the whole Torah community? Because this guy looks, looks like an like observant a, person, right, right. but he isn't actually and, internally. And because the community of Torah people, Torah-minded people, is a relatively internal community, you know, working in those internally, they're not, they're not going to be in the news for doing the great things they're doing because that's not part of the... There are no bumper stickers, really. Well, hopefully there aren't. Or at least the bu- bumper stickers are subtle the only one and I have pointed says inwards. birds aren't real. It's the only one I have. So there, there, there are a number of fascinating sources, which I don't have to quote at length, which seem to indicate that if a person has um, interpersonal issues and seeks forgiveness for, from God for his issues that pertain to him and God in religious practice, that he will not get forgiven for his Bain Adam Lamakum, his issues between himself and God. Meaning like Yom Kippur is coming up. Right. And he wants to you wanna, you he wanna wants get to better f- his life spiritually. And you want to get full absorption the whole... You want to raise the bar in your spiritual practices. You want to improve. But you don't really care about the issues that you're, you're not nice to people. Right. You walk into Shul, Ne'ilah, whatever it is, uh, Kol Nidre. You want, and you want to take it up a notch. And you say, God, I'm ready to whatever... I'm going to keep kosher to like the highest level. All that stuff. But, but you have no sensitivity at all that you've been rude and, and, and abhorrent to your fellow person. Right. It, it, it just doesn't work. It's a non-starter. That's a person with nothing internal. And well, how does God look at it? Like that. And there's no, re- there's, no, there's no mechanism to really get forgiven because forgiveness by definition means you have to go through the chuva process. The repentance process means not like you're a penitent person, but a person who's trying to change. You want to change. God says, fine, change. I'll recognize the change. But you're not really changing. You're acting religious by having the external trappings, which, as you pointed out, are sometimes effective. But if you're not also going to have the internal development of, I'm going to try to be a better person, try to be decent. Nobody's perfect. We all recognize that. But if you're not trying to improve internally, the externalities are not very meaningful. And that, quote-unquote, forgiveness doesn't happen. You, you can't separate the two. You can't say, I'm going to be a jerk to other people, but between me and God, it's going to be amazing. That's that's not real. That's just keeping the flag, the bumper sticker on. Without, now that doesn't mean that, once again, as you pointed out, the flag has no use and no meaning, and certainly observance, you know, is is, is a super spiritual, a super special thing to do, but if you don't recognize that there has to be internal change and internal growth, you're not really becoming a better person from it. And what about that third one, the unsustainable growth? What's that look like? Right. So this is this is a a, a tricky one because <laughs> if we don't grow, we regress. Right. There's no there's no 
middle. There's no plateau. Right. The Vilna Lagone writes that the only people that are that, that are stationary are dead people. You're either going up or you're going down. So you want to go up. You want that you know EKG machine to keep going up. Right. So to speak, this and I like that EKG, EKG or more like a stock market. I mean, there are going to be falls, but it's but it's you want a the pattern, trend of the trajectory, right? So how do you keep that up? Sometimes if you if you if you economics will teach you this. If you go too fast, too quickly, you'll end up plunging. The Vilna Gaon writes, what you need to have for sustainable growth is Torah study. If the intellect is on board, if the intellect is seen, if the intellect is an active participant in a person's development, it'll be healthy. It'll be stable. If you get only emotional, only practical in your observance. There isn't an intellect behind it. The growth is not going to be healthy. The Torah is the protection, is, is what keeps it tight. So it keeps it, you know, in the right. In the 80-20 zone. If that's the zone. Perfect fat meat ratio in a burger. The 80-20? 80-20. I don't know what I actually like one... 85-15, but most people like 80-20. You ever, you ever see when you buy chopped meat, there's different fat to meat ratios? There's 90, there's the lean chopped meat, which is 90-10. Yeah. Anyway, it's a little lean. We'll talk about we'll talk about burgers a different time. <laughs> another another episode. <laughs> another episode. It is essential the to best Judaism. kosher burgers. It is essential to Judaism. That's for yeah. sure. So so unsustainability is also a problem. Correct. And people jump too fast. You know, like I I, I myself changed my life. I didn't learn that Hebrew alphabet until I was twenty five years old. Went to study. You know, left my job. Went to study in Israel. At the time, it was for six months. I accidentally became a rabbi. Story for another time. But um, you know, it was all to me. It all felt very linear and very slow. And I think that it was. And it was, I, you know. Well, maybe the fact that you were not in a vacuum just accepting practices, but in a rigorous intellectual system where you're right. studying a lot right. is the way where that's locked down in a logical pattern. Because that guy who hears about the war in Ukraine and has no idea about how to do anything. And doesn't know, read, by the way. They don't read. No one's reading anything. You gotta read. You gotta read everything. You gotta read the whole, this side, that side, all the different perspectives. But if you just react Completely emotionally, it's not going to be a healthy. It's not going to be a healthy result. Right. But if you the emotions are good, you want to feel things, but you also want to have the intellect on board. You want to, then that is one of the primary benefits of Torah study in a person's spiritual development. Get the intellect locked in. Get the thinking part of yourself in there. And but how do you hold yourself back if your intellect feels a certain thing is true or a certain practice is good, but it's going to be too hard for you? How do you approach that? Let's say in your Jewish observance, let's say a person recognizes that Shabbos is Shabbat is wonderful and they want to bring it in, but to do it all at once would be too hard or unreasonable. How do you deal with that? Well, you can study about Shabbos. The studying of Shabbos will help you appreciate the Shabbos more. And now the practice may seem a little less difficult if you have a more rigorous understanding of what it is. If you observe it once and it's nice and it's valuable, but you don't really know the ins and outs of it, it can be hard to keep. But boss having a greater appreciation that the intellectual development will give you and also showing you the parameters, showing you what it's shaped like, what it looks like, getting into the ins and outs of it will really give you a better appreciation and a more sustainable way to keep it. Is that, that's beautiful. Would that be, is that true also now for um, the, uh, the other types of growth, the, the, the um, external growth. I mean, you, when you learn about something, like you said, those subtleties, I assume if you learned about something, if you go back to Ukraine, you learned about the intricacies of Ukraine, of Russia, these different things, then obviously your contribution to that effort would be also more productive and more sustainable. And also more custom tailored for yourself. Absolutely. Maybe you shouldn't be shooting guns, but if you know software, you can do some volunteer software work. Or whatever it is that some group that wants to hack the Kremlin is doing. 
just as an example. If that comes out, then if, that's if, what. If, if that's what, you know. The thing <laughs> is. That's, that's, so we have three types of sort of, we've identified three types of sort of unhealthy growth. We have external growth, that's that, or sorry, external, sorry, flagging, whatever it is, virtue signaling. We have unsustainable growth. And then we have, there was a third one. Remember, there were only two. Well, these are the extremes. Mm. So extreme by definition is going to be two. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think that's that rounds it about. I'll 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 share with a, an anecdote that I heard once. Not an anecdote, uh, just a quick little like viewpoint on this. There was a um, there was a yeshiva student who was uh, for a week or two was helping Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, who was one of the greatest Lithuanian uh, yeshiva deans. Russia yeshiva uh, passed away in, in the mid eighties, um, and he you know he was with him for like a week or two, and you know didn't really observe a whole lot of you know very special practices that this rabbi had. But this yeshiva student eventually became a rabbi, and a, you know, a, well, a, uh, a well-regarded halachic authority uh, of his own right, and said that looking back in time, all the subtleties of his practices were all perfectly aligned with all these authorities and all these opinions, but you didn't see it if you didn't really know the details. It's, it's, it's once again, it's like these great people, like when you know what to look for, you'll start seeing the I mean, little the, things. The comportment of these great people Yaakov, Jacob, our forefather included, the comportment was normal. People acted normal. They didn't act extreme. They didn't seem extreme, but internally they were holding They don't like very... kind of roll their hands together in a very pious way. <laughs> Does they're it people. With, does it come with the voice? But they're massively developed and healthy people. Right. Very interesting. It's an aspiration. We all want to be you know, healthy and developed. Hopefully this was helpful yeah. in development. Hopefully. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Essentials of Judaism podcast. Thank you.